One of the distractions of preaching by way of video versus in person is that I begin by seeing myself on the screen. Today I realize that my appearance may be a distraction from listening to the sermon, so allow me a moment to explain. On a recent walk through Bennett Valley Golf Course, I spied a ball, a wayward ball, that I decided to retrieve. In doing so, I must have come in contact with poison oak, and that is the reason for my eye being swollen. It's not due to uh, fatigue or, or being worn out or stressed. It's simply a matter of my having made a foolish choice. So with that, I would appreciate it if we could concentrate on today's sermon. We are a week away from the one-year anniversary of the national lockdown for health and safety precautions against the coronavirus. And as surrounding counties move to the red tier, we here in Sonoma County remain in the most restrictive tier of all, the purple tier. Some have received the vaccination and others are waiting their turn. Whether vaccinated or not, all of us must wait. We're looking to the medical professionals and government officials to signal a change and an opportunity to resume some longed for activities. Meanwhile, our patience is wearing thin. It's for this reason and our overall spiritual health that our pastoral team decided to have us look to Jesus for our Lenten sermon series. By directing our attention to Jesus and his declarations about himself in the I am statements found in John's gospel, we not only learn of his identity and purpose, but we realize how much of our own identity and purpose is related to Jesus. Life is more than getting through another day or deciding what to eat or measure the level of risk we're willing to take in order to venture outside our homes. As followers of Jesus, our lives are aligned with a divine purpose that is beyond the limitations of any virus and more essential than food, water, and air. When Jesus tells a large crowd who wants to make him king because he fed them in the wilderness, just like Moses of old, that a person does not live by bread alone, Jesus wants to address a hunger in them that has gone unmet. In the same way that they rely on bread for their daily sustenance, he invites them to rely on himself for their spiritual food by saying, I am the bread of life. Today we consider the importance of this statement of Jesus and what it means for us. There are two backdrops that provide the context for what Jesus said. The first backdrop is the story found in the opening chapter of John 6. Jesus is in the eastern region of the Sea of Galilee in a remote and isolated area where a large crowd has followed him because they saw the signs he had performed in healing the sick. Concerned how the people will be fed, Jesus asks his disciples, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? The disciples see an even bigger problem, not only where to buy the bread, but with what? 
There simply is not enough resources to provide for the enormity of the situation. Sound familiar? Andrew steps up and offers what is available. A small boy has two fish and five barley loaves. With that, Jesus feeds 5,000 people and afterwards instructs his disciples to gather up the leftover bread, which fills 12 baskets. It's the response of the crowd that forms the second backdrop to Jesus' statement. They make the connection with their ancestors' story from Exodus 16, who also were in the wilderness without food and grumbled, wishing they were back in Egypt where there was enough bread to eat. God told Moses he would rain down manna from heaven to feed them. The crowd whom Jesus fed believed that when God's Messiah comes, he would repeat the miracle of the manna from heaven. Like a new Moses, he would deliver God's people with miracle-working powers. More than eager for someone to satisfy their needs, the crowd pursues Jesus with the intention of making him their national hero and appointed king. Now, with these two stories serving as the backdrop for what Jesus has to say, let us hear the word of God read for us by Barb Lawson. The scripture this week is John 6, 31 to 35. Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. To pay my way through college, I worked the graveyard shift at a commercial bakery. One of my primary duties was working the loading dock. Loaves of bread were stacked in collapsible metal trays on flat dollies, 12 high, two stacks per dolly. During our shift, we loaded the dollies into semi-trucks. It took two of us to push the dollies up and over the ramps, but once inside the truck, one person could maneuver the dolly into place. Sometimes the worst thing that could happen did. The wheels of the loaded dolly would catch on a pebble or a splinter of wood and tip over. Loaves of bread would spill out and be crushed by the falling trays. On one occasion, I managed to tip over two racks in one night. Hundreds of loaves of bread were damaged and were eliminated from that shipment. I felt terrible. Not only did it mean a loss of income for our company, but the store served by that delivery route would be short its shipment, and people who shopped at that local grocery store would be without bread. 
My coworker tried to help me get past my feeling of failure by offering these words of consolation. Don't let it get to you, flowers. A hundred years from now, it won't make any difference. It turns out he was right. It's been nearly 38 years since that happened, and it hardly bothers me at all anymore. However, I was reminded of this experience on Thursday evening, watching the PBS NewsHour. I learned of a growing shortage of bread in Tripoli, Lebanon, due to the pandemic and economic crisis there. As the primary food staple of the Middle East, people are without life's necessity. Bread in Tripoli today is just as important as it was in Jesus' day. It keeps people nourished and sustained on a daily basis. Bread then and now is never taken for granted, but valued as a source of blessing as reflected in this Hebrew prayer. Baruch atah Adonai Eluhinu Melech HaAlom HaMotzi Lechem Men HaAretz Blessed are you, O Lord our God, ruler of the universe, who brings forth bread from the earth. Jesus uses the value of bread to draw a connection to how we care for our souls. Bread alone is not enough. We need something more essential in order to live as God intended. We need to trust God and depend on God every day of our lives. When Jesus said, I am the bread of life, he was signaling to the crowd that in the same way God sent manna from heaven to meet the needs of his people, so God has sent Jesus to be their provider and meet their needs for healing, wholeness, and salvation. I have three observations from this passage and this statement of Jesus and how it relates to us. First, it is the essence of human temptation to live life independent of God, to get what we need and meet our own needs rather than rely on God. This was the lesson Moses relayed to the people whom he led through the wilderness en route to the promised land. He recaps their experience with these words from Deuteronomy 8, verses 2 and 3. The Lord your God led you 40 years in the wilderness that he might humble you, testing you to know whether you would keep his commandments or not. And he let you hunger and fed you manna that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but by everything that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. Matthew described Jesus' temptation in the wilderness in preparation for his public ministry in much the same way. Having fasted 40 days, the enemy suggests a way for Jesus to alleviate his hunger. If you are the Son of God, you can turn these stones into bread. By suggesting Jesus use his power to address the problem, the enemy tempts Jesus to satisfy his own needs. It is the same for us. We are tempted to ignore the place of God in our lives and choose to meet our own needs. Above all else, we desire to be satisfied, and the sooner the better.
But Jesus, though fully human, is not like us. He chose not to use whatever means was at his disposal in self-serving ways, nor to act in a way that could be equivalent to ignoring God. Though he had the ability and power being fully divine and fully human to get bread for himself, just as Satan insinuated, Jesus chose to rely on God. He chose to wait and see how God would address his need. He answers Satan with the words spoken by Moses. One does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. We're tempted to leave God out of the picture, tempted to do what is within our own power and ability to meet our own needs, tempted to rely on ourselves, tempted to prove ourselves capable rather than allow God to use us. It is a temptation we face and must resist on a daily basis so that we might trust God more than trust ourselves. We must be willing to allow Jesus to be the one who feeds our souls and is the source of life. My second observation is that we can trust the words of Jesus we understand to help us with teachings of Jesus which we don't understand or find difficult to accept. The 5,000 plus people whom Jesus fed followed him to the other side of the Sea of Galilee until they found him because they had an appetite for more signs and wonders. In effect, Jesus tells them that he is a different kind of Messiah than what they expect. Instead of a miracle-working leader who would overtake their enemy and meet all their physical needs, Jesus tells them he will offer up his own life for them in an act of sacrificial love. Jesus points out that their Jewish ancestors ate the manna from heaven and died, but those who eat the bread he offers will not die. All who believe in him will receive the gift of life eternal. He said, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. Then Jesus says something they find revolting and hard to swallow. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. John tells us that upon hearing this, many of Jesus' disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? And from that time on, they turned back and no longer followed him. Anyone can pick and choose the words of Jesus they like and ignore the rest of his teachings. But if you take the whole of what Jesus said, you will discover some teaching hard to understand and even harder to accept. Scholar, pastor, and international church leader John Stott observed how Jesus' teaching set him apart from all other great religious teachers. Stott said, the most striking feature of the teaching of Jesus is that he was constantly talking about himself. It is true that he spoke much about the fatherhood of God and the kingdom of God. But then he added he was the father's son and that he had come to inaugurate the kingdom. 
This self-centeredness of the teaching of Jesus immediately sets him apart from the other great religious teachers of the world. They were self-effacing. Jesus was self-advancing. They pointed others away from themselves, saying, that is the truth so far as I perceive it. Follow that. Jesus said, I am the truth. Follow me. There is always a large crowd of people who are intrigued and, int and interested in Jesus, but not everyone exercises the discipline to devote their lives to living and loving like Jesus. After the disciples who found Jesus' teaching difficult left him, Jesus turned to the twelve and asked if they also wanted to turn back. And Peter spoke up and said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. Rather than determine our own path and direction for our lives, we learn to follow Jesus and trust his words as transformative and life-giving. With the words of Jesus, that we do understand, we trust him to teach us the things he says which we don't understand. And finally, the third observation is that we can trust Jesus to make something with whatever we have to offer him. Philip and Andrew were not known for what they had to say, but they seemed to be two disciples who were most likely to be in touch with and form relationships with people outside the circle of the twelve. When Jesus wonders where to buy bread to feed the crowd, Philip isn't sure what to do. Neither is Andrew, but he does what no other disciple did. He brings a boy who has a few fish and some bread to the attention of Jesus. When we find ourselves in a place where we have no idea what to do, it is always a good starting point to bring whatever we have, whatever we're aware of, to the attention to Jesus. We can never tell what he might do with it. Yet from this and other gospel stories, we can be sure that he is liable to do something we had never thought of, most likely something creative, and amazing. So while we wait, let us keep looking to Jesus, who exemplifies for us what it means to rely on God, and who nourishes our soul and sustains us as the bread of life. Amen.